What are your plans for your business this year? Hey, it's Tug. Do you want to expand and grow? Aren't you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later, you got a new person to deal with? You have to start all over again? You don't have that with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s, and they want to know you. Unlike big banks, they want to partner with you. The Frost family knows the patterns. They know the ebbs and flows. They know business. Get to know them at FirstLibertyGA.com. Building a building? Buying a building? Buying a franchise? Expanding? Reach out to them. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. You do that at FirstLibertyGA.com. And by the way, if you're a young banker and want to work with a team that is faith-friendly and has a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to them today. First Liberty Building and Loan. FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com. Live from Cobb County, they're coming off the top rope. If they could actually climb up there. you got to be kidding me. No, don't do that. It's time for the finishing move. Our chance to talk all things wrestling. With the road dog, Adam Gillespie, the bearded wrestling fan, Chris Colwell, and Big John Radcliffe. The finishing move on Extra 106.3, Atlantis Sports and Talk. Good evening, wrestling fans. Welcome to another edition of the finishing move. All right. You guys are longtime listeners. You know what happens. We take roll. It's kind of like being back in school, except where kids are in virtual school, so... Big John Radcliffe, present. Chris Colwell, present. Adam, the Road Dog Gillespie. Hear those crickets? Euler. Euler. But it's okay. That's the beauty of this three-man stable is that when one of us is out, there is always one of us here typically to try to help fill in and get it all taken care of. But we got a jam-packed show. I missed last week, but it's great to be back with you guys because, boy, we've had a lot taking place in wrestling. And I'm intrigued to see how a lot of stories are going to play out, and we're going to go over quite a few of them tonight. But first, before we get into that, Chris, I haven't talked to you since uh, the little Colwell has gotten here. Well, at least cu- not in person. The current AEW champion. Yes. In your house. He's the reigning champion of the house. He runs everything <laughs> at any moment's notice. We have to uh, answer his beck and call, and that's the way it should be. I mean, if you're that little and you can't express yourself or your means to being fed is mommy, then I guess you do kind of control things. I think he's kind of IE to keep it in wrestling like Vicky Guerrero when he wants a, excuse me, you know, excuse me. I'll say this, there's been a few times this week with this crying getting really out of control that I would have taken here and her yelled at at the top of her lungs. <laughs> it's one of those, you know, those newborn cries when they get really loud, man, they pierce your ears. Woo, you almost need earplugs. But I can tell you right now, one of the fun part about it, my son is at the age now where he enjoys SmackDown. Okay. SmackDown's on Friday night. We let him stay up a little bit later. So he hasn't gotten a chance to watch Raw or AEW, either one of those. But he'll get Friday night. He knows, yeah. you know, Daddy, hey, can I watch SmackDown? He knows the pay-per-views. I have yet to be able to get onto a Thunderdome. So where he can be a part of that, I think that would be a very cool experience for him. But we're still working on that. So I will tell you that once he gets older, Look forward to that. If he becomes a wrestling fan, it is fun, and particularly to watch them consume it the way that we did with our parents or our dad or uncle or whoever got you into wrestling. It's definitely a fun experience. Well, and did you have the problem when, you know, shortly after the birth where, you know, baby really just only is soothed by mama and doesn't seem to take to dad all that well? Because that was kind of us for the first couple weeks until last night. He was crying his head off. Victoria could not get him <laughs> to stop crying. I pick him up, start holding him, and I, meanwhile, I've got AEW on, and I'm just kind of you know doing that little soft talking that you do to a kid. Ooh, but ooh, I'm ooh. telling him all about the show, and he just quiets down and stops crying. I can tell you what will actually happen, and, and people have told me that this is what takes place. It becomes that moment where his vision starts to, you know, he's right when he can see shapes and colors. And he starts to enjoy the movements of the colors. Now, wrestling has obviously changed since we were a kid because it was way more colorful where, you know, we had Ultimate Warrior and Macho Man and Hulk Hogan, Coco Beware. They had more colorful characters. But my son got into the colorful characters. And so it became, you know, between that and football where he would just sit and watch a football game. And it was one of those things of almost 
watching the game as if it were as if he had money on it. Kind of, you know, I, I really got 50 bucks on the Chiefs. So I'm watching intently to see what's going on. You'll start to see those moments where those are be the things that'll get him to into it. And real quick, I'll tell you one of the things that actually would soothe my son. Uh, barbershop quartet music. If you've ever seen the movie Three Men and a Baby, where they try with Good night, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. So it works. So I started downloading Barbershop. He had a, a playlist on my phone that was like Barbershop Quartet music, huh. acapella Barbershop Quartet music that would put him to sleep. And it was the most random thing because one night he was just screaming at the top of his lungs. My wife was in the shower. I was like, I and literally being silly. Good night, sweetheart. Well, it's time. And he stopped crying I'm like this is working. I'm going to start down. And so I went and found the YouTube channel and was like, perfect, we'll go with this. Go with that, yeah. I did learn, I, I talked with Road Dog about this last week on the show. I did learn something last week. I'm holding him, or he's in the room with me, something, and when I'm watching Dynamite, it's in the middle of a Chris Jericho promo, and it's the moment I realized that my son's not going to watch Dynamite until he's probably 10. When Jericho is known to drop a sugar honey iced tea a few times oh, through his yeah. promos. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's that moment where, you know, I kind of knew it in the back of my head, but I I don't know. I, I just kind of used to watching it, not really thinking about it, and boom, that was the moment. Like, okay. I can tell you right now, we, we're older, and so TV has changed. But, and as we lead into Clash of Champions, we're going to talk about that. Roman Reigns has a potty mouth. I'm just going to go ahead and put that out there. Even on SmackDown, he has a potty mouth where there's been moments of, and my son is a Roman Reigns fan, you know, because he knows he went to, he likes the collation of, oh, he went to school here in Atlanta. Mm. So he thinks that's really cool to him. And particularly he knows Georgia Tech is not too far away from home. So, oh, cool, cool, cool. Roman Reigns is coming out. Okay, let's see what else is on TV. <laughs> Roman Reigns has a potty mouth. <laughs> and that's what's going to lead us in the Clash of Champions. Great segue. As Class of Champions took place, we always started off with Class of Champions. Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs sideways for you. I'm going to go thumbs up if for nothing else in that main event. Ooh. I'm going to go that as well because, you know, we always go with the premise of what was the last thing that you saw, what was the last thing that they left you with that caught your interest. And you're exactly right. The main event, which Roman Reigns, Jey Uso, everything about that to me was just, it was wonderful. I enjoyed the ruthlessness. I enjoyed the aggression. I'm at a point, though, with Roman Reigns, don't let him talk anymore. He doesn't need to talk. Without a doubt. Paul Heyman can do the talking. He does a great job at it. Roman Reigns doesn't need to say a word. And so I want to see more of that, but I enjoyed every bit of it, particularly also, you know, Jey Uso uh, getting into the ring and having to – or Jimmy Uso, excuse me, I'm mixing up. Jimmy Uso getting into the ring. You know what's wrong with you throwing in the towel? Everything about that being symbolic. I enjoyed everything about that. And one of the things I, I really hope that transpires. This is my own personal thing. I actually hope that there becomes like a bloodline stable where you take all the Anoy family with Roman, the Usos, Tamina, Nia Jax, uh, uh, Naomi, put them all in, make a, a bloodline family stable. Paul Heyman could be the head of that entire, be the voice for all of them. Because what do they all have in common? Outside of the Usos, they're all weak on the microphone. All of them. Nia Jax is weak in the ring, but that's a whole other story. But they're all weak on the microphone. Paul Heyman could help excel every single one of their careers. Oh, no, absolutely. And I love, you know what's been the great dynamic with him and Roman so far is how much, you know, he's like more or less looking up to Roman here because he's not the advocate of Roman. Roman basically saved, you know, by their storyline, you know, description, he saved Paul Heyman from being out doing nothing because Brock Lesnar seems to be gone right now, right? Correct. So it's really added to Roman really being like this leader and everything. The drama in that main event, it was like out of a movie. It I, didn't feel like a wrestling storyline. It felt like, you know, it reminded me, it took me to the, to the storyline, I don't know, for some reason it reminded me of the Black Panther movie. It really just uh, no maybe I mean just kind of with the storyline there um, with uh, Killmonger and then with Black Panther and the whole you know cousins cousins and, and wanting to to rise up and one you know one being ruthless and the other being like come on man we're family and it, to me that was just amazing great storytelling even if you know a lot of fans I saw some people online saying how much they thought the match itself quality wise oh it wasn't there it wasn't a great match it wasn't about the wrestling match and i wish people would sometimes get away from that they expect a five-star match every time out to me it's more about the drama and the storytelling no i agree the story that can come out of this and first of all the first portion of this story that is 
compelling. We finally got what we want. I don't care if it was Paul Heyman, Vince McMahon, WWE Uncreative, whoever came up with the idea to finally give us this heel Roman Reigns and take it back to SmackDown. And it was all over the interwebs where it's the the mood change that you get, where two weeks ago where they're in a tag team match, he hugs them, embraces them. He has the big smile with his new veneer showing. They have the big smile, and then the scowl comes across him. And then the call out the, uh, on the um, the the Friday show before be before Clash of Champions, and then the surprise attack of the Superman punch out of nowhere and yelling at him and going off on him. Let's backtrack. He didn't need to have. He didn't need to do the segment where he needed to respond. Paul Heyman should have spoke for him. He should have done the Superman punch, and then he yells at him while holding the title. You, you're not ready for this, and that would have been more dynamic. But this story is just that wonderful, and even to see when uh, when Jimmy Uso heals up, how the tag team, the, his cousins, are going to have to deal with it, and they can go a lot of different ways with this. We've seen the promo where they get uh, Rakishi involved. You can get The Rock involved. You can get all of these other dynamics from such a large family, from such an extended family involved with this that everyone starts to see their way. And that's where I go and I say, I want to see that story where you want to say almost, you know what, Vince, WWE, you've disrespected our family for too long. The only one that's had of great success was The Rock. All the rest have been, at best, mid-carters. Roman Reigns would be two. Usos would be three. But all the rest have been mid-carters. This bloodline stable, it's not just about the WWE. It's about all of it, not just the competitors. It's Vince McMahon. It's his company. It's his family, and that they go after all of it. Well, I'd say Rikishi probably got higher up on the card than the Usos, but still, I get your point. And to me, you know, there's so many wrinkles and so many ways you can go with this. I mean, you could even have a kind of a split within. You know, we got a chance to see Jey Uso as a singles guy. And, I, you know, I think I talked about I it a little bit last week. I put out there, by the way. When 2020 started, who would have had money that Jay <laughs> exactly. was inventing a right. pay-per-view? You're 100 percent I would I would have never made that bet. Nobody would have thought of Jay Uso probably as a singles guy, let alone main eventing. But I like the idea of at least exploring can Jay and Jimmy not be a tag team for a little while? Can you know this uh, with Jimmy being out, it's kind of created that opportunity, right? So Jay can be a singles guy right now. We can see where that goes because they both are exceptional in ring competitors. They they've got the skills to probably do it on their own. They've got the high flying ability and they're entertaining. To me, it'd be interesting to see if. You know, they don't necessarily have to be opposite each other, but you could definitely go that angle where Jimmy ends up back in Roman, but Jay refuses and is on the outside looking in. And there's a way that you can make it to where, you know, maybe Jay wears the face paint and Jimmy doesn't or something where you can always tell them apart. I know the argument has always been they look identical. How can they ever be singles competitors? Because you'll mix them up, right? Well, that would be a way to tell them apart. You can do haircuts different. You There's ways to do it. Yeah. Um, but th- that would be an interesting way to go with it. And I've seen, you know, the potential. You saw the interaction with Roman and Rock on Twitter, and now the rumors are out there that maybe this results in Roman versus The Rock at WrestleMania. That's huge to me. I would be all for that no, for no other reason than, I mean, we know The Rock's a huge star, and that would be a you know somebody could really give Roman the huge rub as the guy now carrying the company moving forward. And which, and over the top rope, we're going to talk a little about the a little bit about the Rock because there's a rumor out there that I'm intrigued to see how that will play out. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. But let's get on to our next match where where we were talking about the Universal Championship, but also we had the WWE Championship, Drew McIntyre versus Roman. I mean versus Randy Orton. Excuse me. That transpired. You know. Drew and Roman would be a great match, though. Would be a gr- it would be better than Drew and Randy. I really? did not like this match. I they, didn't either. They made Drew McIntyre look weak. Yep. It was too much. If you would have done maybe Shawn Michaels, okay. Or maybe Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair, okay. But then you had Christian. Then you had the big show. Okay, you've gone too far. You've added one too many components to this. Have you ever seen... As we've now gone to commercial break, I had Chris Colwell's running board today, ladies and gentlemen. Let's pull the curtain back a little bit here. Chris hasn't run a board in quite some time, so I'm not even 100% sure he knows what he's doing back there. He's hiding now. I can't even see I mean, see you're him. the one that assigned, it, assigned me to it, so. Hey, look, we're a team here. At some point in time. I managed to pull it off last week. Exactly. So what, you forget in a week? Sleep it's been a long week. Sleep deprived. I had to get, no, I had to get through Clash of Champions. 
Good point. And then three hours of Monday Night Raw. That's why I'm like I am right now. Well, see, that's your fault for watching all three hours of Monday Night Raw. You're the silly fool. Trust who me, did I really that. didn't. <laughs> You're the fool who did that. But the fact that they made Drew McIntyre, he came across to look weak to me with all the different components that came into it. And I get it. I've been trying to rack my head around who could be a competitor for the WWE Championship. And I love what they're doing with Randy Orton. Randy Orton can carry a story no matter who he's going up against. I think you could keep the legend killer angle. I think it would actually make Gillespie happy because then you can bring back some of the the wrestlers of heyday that he can go up against. Who's out there? Yeah, he can go out against some of those guys and punt them once or twice. So I, I know it makes him happy, but I think they went too far with this match with adding all the ingredients to it when really and truly you could have just made it an ambulance match and left it alone. You just added way too many stipulations and points to it. No, I agree with you, and especially with how it didn't do any favors to Drew McIntyre. He's supposed to be the big, bad baby face. He's the hero, right? Why did he need three guys to interfere on his behalf against that dastardly Randy Orton? To me... I get what they were trying to do with the storyline and with the story of the match. And if you take Drew out of it and put, you know, an underdog type person, someone that you know was making their way up the card that maybe wasn't on Randy Orton's level, Shorty G, anybody, the story. If you tell it like that, Rey Mysterio or somebody like that, that you know on the surface doesn't look like they should beat Randy Orton, right? If that's the way you do it, then that story was well told because you know you work in. Okay, every all these legends are now getting the revenge on Randy Orton, which, by the way, with Shawn Michaels, if anybody remembers when he took the punt, he stood right back up. I'm not even sure why he was out there. <laughs> I don't think he got hurt at all. But anyway. Oh, and then on top of that, so he took the punt. He went back out there. The punt has been putting people out for months and weeks at a time. Except Shawn Michaels was only a couple of days. Then he was on NXT last night. So I was like, that punt hasn't hurt him at all. Well, and apparently not, a, not a, an attack in a dark room with... Oh, my goodness. That night vision goggles. Okay, let's be honest. I think my son has those goggles, but they're his swimming goggles. I don't think they're night vision. I think so he can see under the water when he goes to swim class. I, I, I feel fairly confident that's what they are. That's probably because they couldn't get a hold of night oh vision goggles. goodness. Can you really not come up with something better than that? By the way, if you didn't see it, Monday night on Raw, that was the ending angle of Raw where Randy Orton got his revenge the next night on those legends who were... Playing poker, oh, man, they were playing. That was a long poker game. Yeah, uh, I think that uh, the APA is a little bit upset about them stealing their gimmick. I think they are, but that's but, how Randy Orton got his revenge was by throwing and, on night vision goggles and sneaking in with a dark room and attacking them. And here's the question that confuses me: If you watched all of Raw like I did, I'm the fool who did it throughout the night. The Hurt Business MVP threw a water bottle at a mysterious janitor because. The way they telegraphed the whole thing, you could tell, okay, why is this janitor there? It was so obscure. Are they leading that it'll be the Hurt Business and he's going to go into something with Randy Orton against Randy Orton, which makes no sense to me? The the angle of it, of this mysterious janitor that we've seen, if you go back and look through it, you'll see MVPs walking down the hallway. It's him, uh, um, Shelton Benjamin, and Lashley, and he throws like a water bottle or something almost at the guy and he's like, here, clean this up. And now to see him as the janitor, that can kind of confuse me. I was watching WWE Uncreative. I know (laughs) you guys missed that one. You dropped the ball. Someone paid attention to that. So it just didn't make a lot of sense. It was a little bit clunky. All right, so what was your match of the night? We always do this. We want to know what was the match outside of the two big championship matches, the WWE and the Universal Championship. What was left? What was your favorite match of the night? Can you pick any other match other than the three-way ladder match for the Intercontinental title? That match was tremendous. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. I mean, the IC title match was just a car wreck that's always fun. And at one point, I thought Sami Zayn was legit hurt. That's a great sell job by him. But for me, that was it. Can we stop using Jeff Hardy's ear lobe? <laughs> <laughs> I'm had enough of that. That's kind of gruesome, isn't it? I like, like putting, the, cr- putting <laughs> I like the creativity in of it. But, man, I've had enough. Randy Orton would twist it up. and yeah. Can we stop using that yeah. as a prop? Yeah. The other match that I could give a match of the night, Bobby Lashley and Apollo Crews. Wow, really? Yes. Okay. It's a match that 
Apollo Crews showed that night how much of a better, how much of an athlete that he is, mm-hmm. and a better wrestler that he is. I've never made the statement that Bobby Lashley is a good wrestler. Absolutely not. He's a strong man. He's a big man. Let's just face facts on it. I even have my opinion on something else that I'll keep to myself and say off air. I have my opinion on something else, but Bobby Lashley okay. could easily make the argument to be a world champion within WWE yes. with MVP in his corner. But that match. The fact that these two strong guys and what Apollo Crews did to carry that match, it may be more of a kudos that it's less of the match, more of a credit to Apollo Crews and what he can do, and that Apollo Crews is someone that deserves more opportunities than what he's gotten in WWE. I, he's definitely a great in-ring competitor. I've liked him since he debuted on NXT from that perspective. But from a character standpoint, he's just... I, I've never got into Apollo Crews as as an on air personality. It just doesn't work for well, me. He doesn't work in radio. No, I understand that. <laughs> but Bobby Lashley, you know, I think you underrate him a little bit. I think he's better in the ring than you give him credit for because he did have some really solid matches, especially as part of Impact Wrestling with guys that aren't weren't necessarily the best in the world. In yes, they are. In fact, they got a show on Saturday. We'll talk about it later. And yes, we're going to talk about them a little bit in Over the Top Rope. And once again, Ooh. I'm not discrediting what he did because you're right. He exponentially got better when he went to uh, uh, Impact Wrestling. Yeah. I agree with you there. Particularly, I was a huge fan of the stable, ironically, that consisted of him, MVP, and Kenny Kingston. But what you saw... Kenny King? Kenny King. Kenny King? Kenny Kingston? No. Something like that. <laughs> That's Eddie Kingston. He, Kenny somebody. He went into It's Ken- Kofi Kingston. No, Kenny King. Kenny, Kenny Kingston. King. He's a reality Former TV. Former tough enough guy. And yeah, now he's a reality TV star. Is he? Yeah, he does reality TV shows. Good for him. But I'm not taking anything away from that. But what Apollo Crews, because they, Bobby Lashley had some clunky moments throughout it. But Apollo Crews, the way he was able to cover them up, the way he was able to maneuver himself, and to see these two guys that honestly... It looked like, I mean, let's just face it, it was an African-American Hulk Hogan versus Ultimate Warrior in terms of their their <laughs> right, builds. Their, right, right. These guys are chiseled out of stone. That's what Vince should want. That's what everyone has said Vince wants. The big yeah. guy, the prototypical yep. guy, those are his world champions. If you look at those two individuals, easily put them with managers. Yeah. I, I hate to say that part, but put them with managers. They're each world champions in WWE. Well, you've got... You know, Bobby Lashley, who's got MVP, that's your manager right there. Yes. To me, if you want to pivot, which I think we're headed towards another Randy Orton-Drew McIntyre match, but if you want to pivot Yay. Drew McIntyre as champion in another direction, him facing Bobby Lashley again, I know they faced earlier this year, but that was the beginning of the relationship with MVP. Now you've got the entire Hurt Business stable. Let's see Drew McIntyre have to go against all four of them, have to fend them off in trying to beat Bobby Lashley. That piques my interest. That could go. I don't know about Apollo Crews being a world title guy, but to me, you know, he could really be a solid upper mid-card guy with a manager. He can't talk. He can't talk. I I won't argue that statement. He's been a U.S. champion, but you're right. You give yeah. him, I think, with the right person, once again, where he doesn't have to talk, you let that athleticism start to move through there. Yeah. Where he's, he, he's the build, the movement, what he does, and then that million-dollar smile of his, that's <laughs> going to be your world champ. That could easily be your world champion. Well, coming up, we've talked enough WWE. We're going to discuss a little bit of Dynamite, possibly even NXT. If anybody watched it or if you're like me, you'll catch up on it tonight. You're listening to The Finishing Move with Big John Radcliffe and Chris Colwell here on Extra 106.3. Live from Cobb County, this is The Finishing Move. Talking all things wrestling on Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the finishing move on Extra 106.3. Big John Radcliffe along with my tag team partner, Chris Owell. Road Dog. he's actually working. I do have to give him credit for that. Follow Don't us lie. on so- No, he is. We got hey, Right now he is. I, I can't promise Wait, all isn't, the time. Isn't it true that, you know, last night on Dynamite, his, his good friend Tony Schiavone, they likes to name drop all the time, got super kicked. Is it true that Road Dog was right behind him and also got super kicked? No, no, no. we're not that lucky. Oh, man. We're not that lucky. I would have wished for that. I was that. hoping the other Jackson would have got him. Yeah, No, we're not they that They are friends lucky. of the show, after all. They are. They are friends of the show. we got to get them back on. Also, you can follow us on social media. I'm at JohnRad450. Chris, where, they can, where can they find you on the social media world? At Bearded Colwell. Once again, it's not changed. We're at probably 300-plus days now. It will stay the same. Even after the baby got here, I'm still at Bearded Colwell because... Simplicity is important in this world. Like, it's that easy to remember Bearded Colwell. Bearded Colwell. It'll change to something else. No, it won't. And the show's at Russell Extra if you want to follow that as well. Bearded Victoria's baby daddy. (laughs) I don't 
think that's. I don't think I can fit that on Twitter. It's very wordy. I can try, but <laughs> tweet us. Let us know what you're thinking. We always love to talk wrestling. So AEW Dynamite. I always have to ask because we always like to know because the Wednesday Night Wars are still existing. Except For now, in this war, it seems like one company has a better footing than the other one. As AEW Dynamite still is going up against NXT, which NXT needs to go ahead and move till Tuesday. <laughs> Agreed. I watched uh, AEW Dynamite. And when I am still very pleased. I am still excited. I still enjoy AEW Dynamite, particularly Cody Rhodes answering the call of Mr. Brody Lee's challenge. And one of the things that I'm really enjoying, and I wish Road Dog was there because uh, it looks like at Daly's Place where they still have wrestlers that are close to the ring, kind of as a part of the audience, they just let havoc wreak throughout that place. As Brody, Mr. Brody Lee came out, he, Cody Rhodes answered his challenge, which Cody Rhodes now with the black hair. The locker rooms cleared out. It was old school to me, and I really loved people coming out of the back. And then what you'll see is just beefs that are happening with wrestlers that are around the ring. They spill over to that. It was really old school. It was a classic segment to me. And what I mean by classic, it made it take. It took me back to the old school days of the back room clears out of the wrestlers, and everybody just goes. Because as a kid, you remember you would see it, and you would always wonder, well, he doesn't like him. Why didn't he get him now? Now they're getting them, and they're doing it the right way. Well, yeah, and how did you like the little swerve he did in his promo where he's like, yeah, I don't think we can really do that, Matt, so I'm going to have to say no, and then he walks out and then comes back. By the way, I mean, no regrets. I'm going to do it, so this match, make it happen. And I thought that was pretty clever, but yeah, oh, what a great brawl. I, I just love the angle here. I mean, it's that opponent that Cody's been looking for to me since since MJF. I mean, it was personal with him and MJF. Now it's personal again with him and Brody Lee. And again, it's not about how many flips and all the move, cool moves you can do in a match. That only goes so far. You can see that match a couple of times to me. What makes me tune in every week, I want to see these storylines, these angles that make me then want to watch the match. And this is a storyline and an angle that really has me hooked right now that I want to see where we're going. Is Cody going to be able to, you know, how brutal is this match going to be next week with the dog collar and is Cody going to regain the title? Is it going to carry over to full gear? We'll see what happens. I'm going to make a big statement here for Cody, and this is not, and I'm not saying this in a negative way. This past summer, uh, ESPN, and you can now see it on Netflix, it's called The Chicago Bulls The Last Dance, and it more so documented the Chicago Bulls' last world championship with Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, all of those guys, with a documentary of it. But what it showed was Michael Jordan had a moment where he would almost make up things. He would tell lies to himself to start to believe it. So he got this anger towards whoever he was going to play. It was almost like, you know, what'd you say about my mama? What'd you say about my wife? So he was infuriated. That's what Cody Rhodes looks like he does, where he almost takes those. Th we all know that wrestling's predetermined, but Cody Rhodes makes it looks like that's personal. It's like Mr. Brody Lee said something about Brandy. And Cody's really upset about it and really is looking for it. He sells that, and that's to your point, that storyline of it, that portion of it, that little nuance that he adds to it when he flipped that switch and came back and turned beat red, and it wasn't acting. It's almost like some, he said that Cody's father, the late, great Dusty Rhodes, he said something disparaging about him, and Cody internalized that. And he literally wants to let it out on him. So I loved every minute of that. Also, we got to see John Moxley taking on Eddie Kingston's hand-picked opponent. Were you surprised? And did you like the surprise opponent of the Butcha? Not came in the least bit. I mean, well, I guess you could have guessed that it probably would have been a member of that stable that Eddie's. Uh, you know, I guess he's the oddities. Of, whatever they are, are they the oddities? That's what they look. <laughs> that stable that he's put together. Look at it. Go find a picture of it. Google Eddie Kingston stable. It looks like the oddities. <laughs> I'm looking for Luna Vachon with the head tattoo. With the, everybody wants us at the freak show. It looks like the oddities to me. <laughs> when I look at that group, I'm look the uh, oh, uh, Lucha, the Lucha Bros. They're the Juggalos. Yeah. Uh, you, the Butcher. He's the is he Kurgan? Yeah, he's the giant Kurgan. <laughs> That's why I'm like, this is the oddities. What what does that make Blade? Is he is he Golga? Is he? I mean, is, is somebody gonna start carrying around the, he's uh, the South Park? So, he's the, yeah, the, South Park, the, he's the Aaron Cartman doll. doll. I mean, it's the weirdest <laughs> thing to see. I've watched it so many times. I'm like, this literally is just a reboot yeah. of the oddities, which I don't know why you want to reboot that. No, that was a terrible, it's a terrible stable. And you look at where the Lucha Bros are now. They were back at the beginning of the year before COVID when Pat could be over here in the States. You had them part of a stable, which, I mean, to me, that, that had some potential because these guys just look like, 
you know, they were going to mess you up in the ring. And to me, that worked. Now it's just a bunch of, like, they didn't know what to do with the Lucha Bros. They were just kind of in, you know, limbo. Oh, okay. Lucha well, limbo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and Butcher and Blade, well, you know, I haven't really been that impressed with them anyway from the get go. But, oh, let's just do something with them because Eddie can talk. Well, heck, he can lead this stable. Well, uh, you could have picked anybody else out of that group. To me, it's just. The butcher doesn't do. I mean, I'm not interested in his character. I really don't care. He doesn't really. He doesn't seem like he's much of a butcher. He doesn't. I mean, he doesn't do anything impressive in the ring to me. Give me him against Penta or give me against Phoenix. That would have been at least. It wouldn't have been a surprise, but at least the match would have been good. I didn't really like the match either. No bad surprise. Not a good match. One of the things, and I'm very disappointed in that because I did watch Lucha Underground. I enjoyed Lucha Underground because it's what we were just talking about. They made Lucha Underground, and I'm going somewhere with this. They made Lucha Underground look like a soap opera. We don't normally talk Lucha Underground on this show. No one, I don't even know where to find it anymore. I'm going to be honest. Is it still on Netflix? I don't know. I enjoyed it. It was good. They really made it look like it wasn't just a a wrestling entertainment. They made it more soap opera-esque. I've heard it described as it wasn't a wrestling show. It was a show about a wrestling company. That's exactly right. That's the best way to put it, an underground wrestling company. And where I'm going with that is Pentagon... On his own, I can't. I don't know if he speaks English, but what he did on Lucha Underground, the the villain that he was, the heel that he was, I can't even call him a heel. Beyond that, he was truly a villain that he was there. The fact that where he is right now, and that's what, and when they brought him over with Phoenix, I was thinking, okay, even as a tag team, I'm going to enjoy this because I liked him in Lucha Underground until I couldn't find it anymore. And now just to see him relegated to a sidekick of Eddie Kingston's, and that's not a disrespect to Eddie Kingston. To just be relegated to a sidekick, it's just kind of, eh. but that match that you would have gotten between him and Moxley would have been exponentially better because Moxley is not a true high flyer, but Moxley will do some de- some death-defying things, much like a, a, a Pentagon, and it would have been more enjoyable. The Butcher, there was just cumbersome portions of the match. What he is, the, the his character doesn't even go very well, where mm-hmm. I did like it when he was, when, when Butcher and the Bunny and all of that, but now it's Ugh. just... You're going back to an was old school. Then. I mean, I feel like he should be taking on Duke the Dumpster Drozzy. I mean, yeah, I, was, I don't think I would have wanted to watch that back in the 90s either. That would have been I, bad I then. I wanted to watch that in the 80s. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it, it's sad to see where the Lucha Bros are because we know what they can do. And it seems like, you know, when AEW came about that they were they were so conscious of the idea of, hey, you know, everybody's seen the Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks and all these. We've seen them elsewhere. We don't want to overexpose that in AEW. But meanwhile, you've taken a team that had all that, you know, talk by, you know, uh, just the clap behind them coming into the company, like the Lucha Brothers, who were known for having these great matches with Young Bucks, with LAX in Impact. I mean, you talk about what Penta could do as a singles guy. He was world champion in Impact just a couple of years ago. Uh, beat it, beat Austin Aries. I mean, he can be a singles guy. Those guys can be so much more than they've been and at least be a legit kind of serious tag team. And to me, it's almost like, I don't know, it just feels like they're just, you know, I don't, for they're lack of a better, they're scrubs now. Yep. They're just a part of a group that Eddie Kingston just happens to be leading. And to me, they should be, if they're not contending for the world tag titles, they need to be one of the top teams, and they've really never been that. And that's the part that's sad about it, because they could have easily, and I hate to say it like this, it almost looks like outside, I know they did it, we had a tag team match where it's FTR and, uh, what is it, SCU, that yes. took place. It that seemed, was a great match, too. But it doesn't seem like they know what to do with a true tag team division. And to a company that we gave them tons of credit for the way that they did it. Because tag team matches can happen without belts being on the line. It's 100. You can have a tag team story that happens where no titles are there. It's 100% okay. No one said you couldn't have that. And I get it. You're trying to fill time. But that's what you have AEW Dark for. You have another place where these stories can kind of filter over and transfer back and forth. It'd be great to see things like that. It'd be great to see those moments of, you know, when you're talking about SCU taking on the Lucha Bros and this story that battles back and forth between the two. But it seems like the only way you're going to get a tag match is if the tag ty- the tag team champions are involved and you don't have to necessarily do that. No, you don't. And at the same time, you're looking at, you know, you don't have to have, if your feud is between, you know, you got FTR as the tag champs. If you want a feud between the Lucha Bros and best friends, well, guess what? You can feature one of them in a match this week and one and the other in the match the next week against two other feuding teams and have interference. There's a way to overlay these angles 
if you want to know how to do it, I mean, I hate to point to a company that typically doesn't have a clue how to do tag division. Go back and watch the Attitude Era tag team division for WWF. You had multiple tag teams that had other storylines going on outside of the tag titles. Yeah, sometimes they were hokey, but at least they had something going on, and they found a way to overlay it. If the Hardys were the tag champs feuding with the Dudleys, Edge and Christian were out there feuding with the APA. Well, one week, guess what? The Dudleys were facing APA, and the Hardys were facing Edge and Christian, and all the teams were kind of getting involved. And then you moved on. You had other stuff with Too Cool, all these other teams. It's possible to do it. You just It almost seems like they they focus on you know a few major storylines, and the other ones just kind of slowly plot along, and eventually you get there. I just don't feel like the payoffs get there all the time for AEW. And I think part of the problem that they're running into is, and I, I, here's a, what I want to give them credit for, is are they running into COVID-19 issues? Because COVID-19 is still something that exists that's out there, and I don't want to just gloss over it and ignore it like it it's not an issue where they're struggling to get people to to get involved and and think and get to from place to place and get them to daily's place so if it's an issue with that then i got to give them credit for it but just from the way that it looks right now it doesn't look like they're completely with it and speaking of a tag team in aew do we buy the young bucks as they've now grown their beards out and they're super kicking everyone wasn't the young bucks heels in impact wrestling and didn't they do a good job with it being heels without having to do the extra that it appears that they're trying to do now here's my thing this is a tag team that has reached like that super popular status to where it's almost impossible to turn them heel like what they're doing right now doesn't make me want to boo them that's the problem like i watched last night as was it matt or nick that super kick tony nick was nick okay so it was nick I, I was like, why am I booing him? Because he super kicked Tony Schiavone. Why? I think that's actually kind of funny. Oh, he super kicked the referee. Okay, that's kind of funny. None of this, it's almost like the Jeff Jarrett guitar thing back in the day when he would <laughs> run around just hitting people with guitars for no reason. Or when Canyon would do the Canyon cutter to uh, random people backstage at WCW Thunder, if anybody was actually watching in 2000. But it's. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Who watched? I did watch Thunder, but Thunder was just. Bad. It was it was bad kind of from the beginning, and then when it they tried worse. to make it like the SmackDown to Nitro's Raw, it's like by then the whole product was really bad, so it didn't matter. But yeah, I mean, it just to me, I get what they're trying to do it, what they're doing with them, but they're not doing to me. Their actions aren't placed right. If you want them to be taken seriously as heels, then why aren't they attacking? baby faces in the ring why are they attacking a referee why are they attacking an announcer? an announcer that's not a heel thing for them to do why are they not attacking hangman page or who they have actually actual beef with they could have been tag getting a tag title shot um you know going after other teams I, I don't understand it and i know there's been a rumor that they may be you know next in line for ftr but then again if you're trying to turn them heel ftr are heels now are we gonna have a heel versus heel match are they just making us think they're turning heel i i don't know this it, is confusing to me. It's very weird, and it, it almost seems like they're afraid to turn them heel. Because, And the only reason I say that, what is one thing that the, the, the Young Bucks have done very well? They've made themselves popular without having to do anything through a company. you got to remember, these guys were like the kings of independent wrestling. So when they were on the independent circus, they, there was even stories. If you go back and you go to Podcast Park, you'll see the finishing move, the dark matches. Check out our interview there. And where they talk about when we had the Young Bucks on, they talked about how traveling up the highways and byways, selling shirts and merchandise out of their vans. It's almost like they're afraid to turn them heel because they're afraid that merchandise sales will go down. And I hope that's not true because they won't. That sounds familiar. <laughs> what? Afraid of merch sales going down? Yeah, with a heel turn. <clears throat> John Cena guy WWE. wearing colorful clo- colorful shirts, had a new color all the time. Uh, yeah, Roman so- Reigns. Oh, boy. Except they finally did that. And I bet you his merchandise sales have gone up. Probably. And it's probably now it's, it's people our age that are buying it. That's the thing they've never considered. Is that if you did turn someone heel, and if it was cool, if it if, you know made you know the older fans actually kind of like them more, they're gonna buy them t- t-shirts now, not the kids, and you're still gonna get the buys. So it, it's just a very strange scenario that they're working with that's going on there. But we got to see a promo that I want to see more of: Chris Jericho and MJF. I need these two. I don't know how you get these two to work together more. I haven't figured that out because it's heel and heel. You don't need to turn either one of them face. 
I need these. I need more of these. You know, I what, want more of these. You know, yes, what, please. What would be great is if they did like an odd couple type pairing where they ended up teaming up somehow, but they really hated each other, but they tolerated each other, and they kind of constantly cut each other down. And then the back and forth were awesome, but then when they were in the ring, they were actually somewhat united. You could do something like that. I mean, it's almost like the the KO Jericho pairing, how great yeah. that was, even though they didn't really hate each other. But still, I mean, it was like two great promo guys, and it worked. You could almost do that to where, what if Jericho just like dropped the inner circle and just started teaming up with MJF? I mean, you could consider going that route, because what more can you really do with the inner circle? Or MJF, what if he became an honorary member of the inner circle. Then now, now we're teeter tottering in the NWO well, you, era. Then you kick somebody out. Now, now we're at Sammy Guevara. You're gone. Oh, okay, fine. Jake Hager, you're gone. Okay, I'm okay with that one because Jake serves <laughs> no purpose. Look. He's the he's the muscle. He's the biggest guy in the group, and he needs Chris Jericho to talk for him because we all know he can't talk. He can go back to UFC. He can go back to Ultimate. He's in, he's in Bellator. He can go to Bell. He can go to underground fighting for all I care. <laughs> he can go for all underground. I don't care where he goes. He it, it, go unless that's gone now. For now, who knows where that's going to go at? <laughs> Let's jump over to NXT. If you took a look at NXT at all, NXT one of the biggest. I did. You did. Well, what? see, you you probably just watched Dynamite, right? Actually, I was flipping. So here's the problem that I run into. Working here at Dickey Broadcasting, I work with multiple shows. Mm-hmm. So I had AEW. I had NXT, I had baseball on, and I had the NBA Finals. <laughs> I got a lot, a lot going on. That's impressive. I had a lot going on, and it reaches a moment where you're watching them and your brain can't filter out yeah. things properly anymore. So as I'm watching the basketball game, I'm now starting to wonder why Adam Cole is going for a layup. Oh, wait, that's not Adam Cole. That's <laughs> Kyle Kuzma. Whoops. Time to turn one of these off. <laughs> So I run into that. That's sometimes. impressive. I run into those moments sometimes that, you know, when I'm watching that, and I'm like, why does it look like Chris Jericho's taking the mound in the Yankees game? Oh, never mind. It's My brain can't filter them all out anymore. Got to kind of let it settle a little bit. So I had all of them on. So That's impressive, though. I was going back and forth with all of them. Here's the one story that's been intriguing me, and I, I want to see how it plays out. And everyone will laugh because it is so minute. It's such a small story. That it could slide through the radar. Jaya Lee? Jaya Lu? Am I saying her name right? Jaya Lee. I think it's Zia. And Isn't it Zia? 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 Zia Lee. So, so, I'm I think intrigued that... to see where they're going to go with the storyline of what she has. I like her as an in-ring wrestler. I, I like I like her athletics. I like how strong she is. And I, I looks like they're con- they're getting ready to send her for a heel term. I enjoy everything about what's going on there. Now, also, I'm also look, uh, hoping that they don't do what I think they're going to do, and that's split up the Undisputed Era, which if they're going to go with that, they've got a lot of other stories that they're going to need to unpack before they try to move anybody up to the main roster. Well, yeah, and you know what this says to me? This says to me that while Adam Cole has been the breakout star Baby. there, and they see, they see what he could be, and he probably will get the call to Raw or SmackDown before it's over with, I don't think the Undisputed Era is coming with them. I think that they see Adam Cole as the star, but they don't see the same same thing out of the other three. They see Kyle O'Reilly as, okay, he could might be a guy that could be a babyface down here in NXT, but he's not going to be a main roster guy. And I don't think they see anything out of Bobby Fish or Roderick Strong either. I think they, they're looking that they know they need one more mouthpiece. Adam Cole was the strongest mouthpiece of that group, and I don't think they found a way to use it. Also, I think with what Adam Cole can do, I think there are current superstars on, I I hate to say this, on the main roster that they want Adam Cole, they want to do a story, they want to do a program with Adam Cole for the proverbial passing of the torch, much like you've heard the rumor AJ Styles wants to go down that alleyway with him. Because AJ Styles, look, he still can put on an incredible match for his age, and that's not to say that, you know, he's long in the tooth, but he is up there in age than most superstars now. And that the fact that, hey, I want to go with this guy. I want to do something with this guy. I, when I'm ready to pass the, the torch, this seems like a guy who could do it. I think that speaks volumes to it. But I also think it just shows that, once again, NXT being the developmental portion of it, there's a portion of it that's, Don't not, say that. that's not being developed. Third brand. The third brand, they're not developing their mic skills. That part is still missing. I think there's only – that's the thing, though. 
you can only teach so much. You can only develop so much if that if that part of a wrestler's game is just not there. You know, if you've ever watched, you know, the background of seeing where Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole and Bobby Fish and Roger Strong all came, they were all Ring of Honor guys, right? If you've watched that in the past, no, the only one that could cut the promo there was Adam Cole, baby. Adam Cole, baby, that's where it all came from, and it's just never been there. But they, in a company like Ring of Honor, your mic skills don't matter. It, it's all about the in-ring stuff, and that's why Kyle O'Reilly was Ring of Honor World Champion. Honestly, NXT, you've seen how they've done with Finn Balor's promos, how they've all been like these film things backstage where he's not out cutting a promo on the mic. It's all kind of videotaped. It, it's almost cinematic, and you, and that's what that little face-to-face with Riley or Kyle O'Reilly and, and Finn Balor felt last last night too. You can dress that up in NXT. Triple H knows how to do that, and they don't know how to do that on the main roster. They've yet to. They're not. There, I do just that. said it on Raw or SmackDown. They're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. So look, Kyle O'Reilly could succeed as a main event level guy in NXT. It's just not never going to happen on Raw or SmackDown because he just doesn't have the mic skills. He's never has had the mic skills. Well, it's time for one of my favorite segments of the show. It's time for us to go over the top rope. Shock the system. You went for the most dramatic music that you could possibly find. Uh, the one-hour show. So I've been wondering where she is, and evidently she's gotten a little... She, I'm not saying she's not smart, but she decided to show herself to be a multifaceted superstar. Bianca Belair. She's now creating her own in-ring gear and selling it for other superstars as well. Bianca Belair is one of the most talented women wrestlers in in WWE right now. almost said AEW. In WWE right now. She's a former Tennessee track star. She, I don't know why they're not utilizing her. She just kind of, she's here for a little while. She goes away. She's here for a little while. She goes away. But she started making her own in-ring gear. I think it's really cool what she's done, the work that she's done, that she's found a way. Because I think she could do more. And you can go to her YouTube channel and check it out. I think that she could do more in the WWE. They just got to give her the opportunity. Well, <laughs> did you read the report? I think I guess it was a couple weeks ago that come to Raw, they wrote the wrote the show, and apparently Vince forgot, forgot all about there. forgot about her, forgot about uh, the other iconic uh, Peyton Royce, and then finally last week, what you got the little uh, training promo of her. I guess that's how they're going to build her up. I don't think they have a clue how to use her right now. And again, it goes back to. It's been the problem to me with the entire women's division. Have they ever been able to really create stars once they brought them over to Raw or SmackDown? You had established, you know, basically the four horsewomen became stars in NXT. Yep. And they were already established by the time they got to Raw and SmackDown. The fans bought them. You just kind of pushed them. That's all you had to do. Well, some, not every women, every women's wrestler, not every NXT wrestler that you brought up has been ready for that. They maybe needed a little, uh, a couple tweaks, or they needed a certain push, and they've never done that. And with Bianca, it's like, you know, they brought her up kind of out of the blue because they needed a surprise for the night after WrestleMania on Raw. But was she really ready for the main roster? She was really just starting to get to a main point on NXT, getting over and had that big match with Rhea Ripley at the TakeOver in Portland, I think. I mean, I would have liked to have seen her really kind of run with the ball in NXT in their women's division first, then come to Raw or SmackDown. By then, yeah, now she's a big star. Let her see what she can do. You know, and now she's going to be respected. Now you've never gotten that since she's been called up. It's just been, okay, she's there. Oh, she happens to be associated with the Street Profits. That's about it. They threw her out there way too soon, and I agree with you there. Which, by the way, I'm going to make a bold statement here, and this is no disrespect to Ooh. her. For the Street Profits, when you brought them up, uh, is it Montez Montez Ford? The, the, th- the, the th- skinny one? Yes. He's going to be a bigger superstar than his tag team partner. Oh, no doubt. And he'll get there without him. They, I like the tag team. I like the story that they have right now. They're a great tag team. I love it. He can be a bigger superstar the minute he becomes an independent, and he'll be a much bigger superstar. That's just my own thing. He's Jeff Hardy. Yes, you're exactly right. Also... As Murphy has been getting much success as he is Brian now Murphy? the disciple of Seth Rollins. Brian Murphy, RIP, he's not here on Saturdays. As he's become the disciple of Seth Rollins. Well, he's also the ex-boyfriend of Alexa Bliss. And evidently, people are not thrilled of the story that's going on there. And they want Alexa Bliss to answer questions about it. So much so, she has now had to disable her Twitter account. People, 
people. Stop harassing, harassing this lady. Stupid beyond belief. I mean, they were giving her. Did you see her original tweet? It was like, "Go Murphy, go shoot your shot." Yes. And, and, and people thought that apparently that was in poor taste, forgetting the fact that yes, he may be thirty-two, and yes, she's nineteen. She's an adult. She's not. Yes, she may be technically a teenager, but she's an adult. Yes, what I as a thirty-year-old date a nineteen-year-old probably not. But guess what? Well, your wife would tend to frown upon. Well, that, hey, there is a age gap between us, though. I'm thirty, about to be thirty-four. She's twenty-seven, so there is a gap between us. But it ain't that drastic. But still, it's not like she's underage. To me, that seemed like a whole lot of nothing. Just a reason to jump on somebody because guess what? I'm a social justice warrior, and I'm going to make a difference in the world. Stupid people. For real current AEW. AEW superstar Miro. He was formerly Rusev in WWE, and evidently he's released the story on why he left the WWE. Evidently, the final storyline that they had prepared for him, if you remember his wife, Lana, whose real name CJ Perry, she was in an entanglement with Bobby Lashley. Well, part of the story, what they were going to have was that, um, I'm trying to say this as politically correct as possible so the FCC doesn't bother us. He needed Viagra to get to that point and that was what was creating the problems in their relationship and why Lana went to Bobby Lashley. Ultimately, it was why Rusev wanted to leave altogether. WWE kind of missed the boat on this. He came out so red hot against John Cena, even so much so he's even come out and told where uh the International Men of Mystery remember it was him, it was Sheamus and what was the name of that the that the uh what were they? The Legacy Legion of Na- League of Nations. League of League Nations. Nations. Not the extraordinary gentlemen. Group. Whatever they were. <laughs> You're thinking of a movie. They were put together to basically make Roman Reigns look strong. And ultimately, you took two superstars in Sheamus and Rusev, who basically could have been world champions on their own. You put them in a group to put Roman Reigns over, and you still couldn't get to the success that you've gotten now with them. You really missed the boat on this one, WWE. That whole stable ruined... Forward careers when you really think about it. Del Rio was gone not long after that, losing to Kalisto. Well, Del Rio ruined his own career by domestic violence. Yeah, he's had he's had some issues. Let's just say that. But look what it did for King Barrett, who was gone probably like four months after that. Yeah, Yeah. and now he's back as an announcer. Good for him. Hey, maybe we'll get to wrestle again. But uh, yeah, look for Rusev, especially with that storyline idea. Did they not go back in their own archives and watch WCW Nitro of 2000? Because they did this before with Shane Douglas and Kidman, where Shane Douglas, they had a Viagra on a pole match. Yep. Because apparently Shane Douglas couldn't get it done with Tori Wilson. Well, I mean. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm just saying. Oh, well, this is a family oriented show. (laughs) Our wives are listening. You're right. Mine is. She says we're being funny. So, you know, we at least have one listener tonight. I haven't got a tweet from. Uh, Chad tonight, so I don't know if he's listening. But yeah, that was four seven four one twelve thirty. Give us a call. Yeah, give us hate calls, hate tweets, whatever. But yeah, dumb idea, a waste of Rusev. But you know what? Hopefully AEW will capitalize on on what he can be. Also, I talked about it earlier. So evidently, Ken Shamrock is going into the Impact Wrestling Hall of Fame, and he wants someone to induct him. The person he wants to induct him, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He put out a tweet where he said, Rock, I'm being inducted into Impact Wrestling's Hall of Fame. I'd like for you to induct me. The Rock responded and said, I'll do my part on this end and get it over to you, and we'll make this happen. How does this work? I thought The Rock was signed to WWE. Evidently, we're just crossing over now. So, hey, it's just a free-for-all. Come on, now. We all admit that Impact Wrestling, I mean, does anybody really realize that they're still existing at, at this point? We just talked about that. I don't. I mean, for real. I mean, to this point, WWE probably saw that and was like, if that company still exists, you know what? Whatever. He's not working for us. Is it really? It's not like they're competing with us. They never really <laughs> did. But, I mean, why not? But it's weird, too, that he's going into the Hall of Fame. I mean, since we know you don't watch Impact Wrestling, I watched it this week. Ken Shamrock turned heel on the show going after Eddie Edwards. So now, as a heel, he's going into the Hall of Fame. Normally, don't you do the babyface role with that? If I'm not mistaken, I think I can name everyone in their Hall of Fame because it's that short of a list. Well, it's always been one inductee every year. It's Kurt Angle. Yes. Sting. Yes. Gail Kim. Yes. I think that's it, isn't it? Jeff Jarrett. Okay. Earl Hebner. 
Yes, the referee is in the Hall of Fame. That's where we stopped talking about this. <laughs> That's where that right there. Uh, WWE, they might not be doing themselves any favors. Where WWE SmackDown, if you're going to be looking for it on October 23rd, it won't be there on the Fox Network. It might actually be on FS1. Why? Well, evidently they didn't plan this out very well because that'll be Game 3 of the World Series. Uh... So it won't be on its traditional Fox station. It'll possibly be on FX1. Let's just face facts on it. People will probably just look for it on demand later on. They'll go that's find, how I watch it. They'll go find it on the network later on. If you needed ratings and you needed money, right now that's not going to help you, though. No, not at all. And <laughs> I mean, you've got to plan that better and kind of have an idea. But I don't know. Maybe in the back of their mind, they thought MLB would not have a World Series. They wouldn't get there. They planned it ahead of time. I don't know. But that's just, you've got to. It's stupid things like that that are going to cost you in the long run. Well, coming up, it's time for the Go Home Show. Our Go Home Question of the Evening. Ooh. Who has been the most underrated champion in WWE history? We'll oh. talk about it as you're listening to The Finishing Move. Big John Radcliffe, Chris Colwell here on Extra 106.3. Live from Cobb County, this is The Finishing Move. With the road dog, Adam Gillespie, the bearded wrestling fan, Chris Colwell, and Big John Radcliffe. On Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome back to The Finishing Move live from Cobb County here on Extra 106.3 as we get ready for our go-home show. We also don't want to forget that our friends are always support your local wrestlers, your independent wrestlers. And right here in Atlanta or just north of us, we still have Southern Honor Wrestling. Well, if you've looked at the calendar, today is October 2nd. Every first fr- Friday of the month, Southern Honor Wrestling takes place up in Canton and, well, Tomorrow would be the very first Friday of October. So that brings back, still here too, the anniversary show for Southern Honor Wrestling. Yep, it's the second anniversary show for them. And uh, our, our good friend of the show, Brandon Benefield, will be there doing commentary as part of the Mean Street podcast. And uh, he uh, shares, shared some info with me as far as going into that show. we got several big matches uh, scheduled. we got a world title match with Corey Hollis and Joe Black. Joe Black, as we t- brought him on last month, they had the big Rumble Jack show, which is essentially their version of the Royal Rumble. Joe Black won it. He's now getting the title shot against long-term champion there, Corey Hollis. Also got the tag titles on the line in a very interesting legend kind of match. Here, oh we've got, here we go. We've got <laughs> the Lynch Mob, who go. are the tag team champions against... Big John's favorite tag team of all time, the Rock and Roll Express, Robert Gibson and Ricky Morton. I have no disrespect against the Rock and Roll Express. I loved them back in the day. Go Lynch Mob. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's real simple. Go Lynch Mob. I'm never, I'm never going to openly cheer for really anybody. I want the Lynch Mob to win. Well, all right then. Well, you got a match that apparently has been months and years in the making between Logan Creed and Gunnar Miller. That should be a slugfest there. Those I, two, those are two big dudes. Yes, by the they way. are. I mean, you're talking about two powerhouses, super heavyweights that are out there. Those are two really big dudes. I'm intrigued to see how that one turns out. I wish that they could actually take it outside of the ring because as big as those two guys are, I think that what is it called? The Action Arena, the Action Building, the Action Building. I think they could take that action from pillar to post and bring that place down. Those guys are huge. Yeah, that would be good stuff. And you also got a match with uh, David Ali, who's been one of the bigger stars there for a while now, and Owen Knight. Also, his one's interesting to me. It's uh, Ashton Starr, who's been arguably the biggest babyface in the company. He's kind of being a little heelish lately since his title match last month. He's facing a newcomer to SHW and a, a rising star. You may have known him from AEW Dark. Brian Pillman Jr., I like who's it. been in MLW, has been a big star down there. Son of Brian Pillman. Uh, Flying Brian Pillman. Flying Brian Pillman. He's got, um, you know, he's got a lot of potential in what he could be. Also a big match between... He has, sorry, not to cut you off. No, Pillman Jr., the legacy that's there. I'm waiting for someone to realize how good he is. He's not, I mean, I'm not going to put him to the level of his dad quite yet. He still has some rough edges to it. But when someone finds out about him, and I think part of the problem is, unfortunately, his dad, Brian Pillman, he's not to where people want to distance themselves like a Chris Benoit. But Brian Pillman had some, from what I understand, some stories that I've heard, some sketchy stories that took place, and people don't want to distance, don't want to be affiliated with it. But Pillman Jr., very underrated star, very good and very talented young man. I'm intrigued to see what he does. And another big interesting match. Do you know, you remember Bull Buchanan? Yeah. Well, his son is now a wrestler, Ben Buchanan, 
He'll be facing off with a member of the Lethal Poison Group, Judas, and that's one of the big matches tomorrow. And there's a few others scheduled as well. So that's SHW still here to the second anniversary. Tomorrow night, action building up in Canton. Go check it out. And Danny Jordan, if you get better, we'll try to have you on when Road Dog is actually doing something else. Right now we're in football season, so he might not be able to make all the shows. So if you want to come in, you're I'm not worried about it. He's safe because I think she can handle her own. But now it's time for the Go Home Show. Go home. That's your home. Are you too good for your home? Answer me. Hey, I pulled it off. Look at you. Hey, hit the button right. Yay. Woo. So my go home question, and what it's done, I've been going through the WWE archives on the WWE Network, and it's great to see some of the old championships that are out there. I, I'm a collector of, you know, whenever I can save my coins, I, get, I like to order a few of the WWE titles to go in my man cave. So I have, like, the Spinner Championship. I have one of the, uh, I have the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. I have the old uh, WWE, I mean, I'm sorry, WCW US title. And so it got me to looking at, I mean, looking at different belts and different titles to see the ones that were out there. Then it got me looking like, man, there were some real world champions out there in WWE and just champions in general that were just underrated superstars. I mean, when you think about it, Scott Hall is a Hall of Famer and he's never been a world champion. I don't even, I can only think he's had one world championship match. But other than that, he's a Hall of Famer. If you look at, we talked about him a few weeks back, Jake the Snake Roberts. He's never held a title. He's a Hall of Famer. And when I looked at some of the stars that have held titles, it made me think, man, who was someone that was a champion that people just completely underrated? So, Chris, have you gotten your thoughts together and you got a chance to think about, because I'll tell you after you finish, who I feel like someone that was completely underrated in the WWE that was a champion. I can tell you one that was a world champion right off the top of my head uh, that never got his due as world champion, but was around forever, and that's Kane. Good one. One day as world champion in 1998, when he was arguably at his height of his popularity, or at least, you know, notoriety, I guess, but he finally got that little victory lap one in 2010, but that didn't really, I don't think a lot of people cared for that. To me, I mean, that's that's one off the top of my head right now. I mean, you you throw a few at me, and I'm, maybe I'll come up with a few others. The first one that I had that I thought about, and she's a, and you hear me say she, she's Ooh. a women's women's world champion, and how talented she was. And unfortunately, during the era that she wrestled, her talents were overshadowed by bra and panties matches and things of that nature. Victoria, hey, Vic- honey. Oh, oh, not oh, you, that oh, Victoria. Not my Victoria. Oh, okay. I don't think she's ever been WWE not champion. Not to my knowledge, unless she's she tried was, to take the AEW title from Dawson, which that'd be mean. And then if she was, then that means that age gap that she spoke of actually goes in a completely different direction. <laughs> kind of inverted does. a different way. Yeah. <laughs> but Victoria, she was such a... I was going back watching matches that she had with Jazz, Molly Holly, Trish Stratish, Ivory, Jacqueline. Some of the matches that she had... She was such an underrated talent that it was just kind of like, man, how athletic she was. And she wasn't injury prone. She had a knee brace on. She went over to Impact Wrestling. She did it there. She could burn it down in the ring. It's just she was overshadowed by the fact that Trish Stratish and, and, and Tori Wilson and Stacey Keebler were doing mud wrestling matches. So it kind of took away from it. She was one that I thought of in terms of the women's division. Someone that I feel like was grossly underrated, and it was because another up-and-coming star that was there, was JBL. I feel like JBL was an underrated world champion because what we always knew JBL for, the APA, his tag team prowess. The guy was a United States champion. He was the undisputed champion on multiple occasions when he came out and he was the rich broker. I feel like he was underrated as a world champion. No, I absolutely agree with that because everybody... They always go back. You know, that was the area that fans were having to kind of get reaccustomed to the long title reigns. We'd gone through an attitude era where, you know, I think the longest reign might have been The Rock was a four-month champion in 2000. I mean, you had a lot of these one-month, two-weeks, two-months title reigns at most. And here was Triple H in 2003 with a nine-month one. Here was JBL in 2004 with a 10-month one. And I think a lot of fans weren't quite ready for that yet. And so it almost got seen as boring and oh he jbl wasn't all that great because they just had to have somebody be the champion on smackdown they had to make a heel because brock lesnar left well you know jbl was fantastic the character jbl was awesome one of the best characters that's ever been to me has ever been come up with in wwe great job by you know a creative team then that probably couldn't pull that off now but you know it was it was incredible and he did a good job holding it down 
Was I the biggest fan of his title reign when it was happening? No, but over time I've grown to respect it because now I've been perfectly fine with AJ Styles being world champion for a year. CM Punk holding it for four and what, 20 days? 29 Bro- days. I was not happy with Brock Lesnar holding for 430 days or whatever it was for him, but that's because he was never around, but that's beside the point. If you yeah. go back, and one yeah. of these days, you and I, we're going to have to, we're going to resurrect, first of all, the finishing move, the dark matches. You and I are going to have to. I don't to, believe you. We're going to have to have the discussion. Road Dog and I did it once upon a time. You can go back to Podcast Park, um, uh, extra1063.com and take a listen. We talked about it. I really believe Brock Lesnar might be someone that we've underappreciated in the time that he's been with the WWE. And you and I, we can have that discussion. I won't go too far into it to save it. But when you made mention of that, I think there are people who just said, I'm over it. I'm sick of it. I think he's one of those entities in pro wrestling that we just don't appreciate right now. And we better, because when we look up, I don't think we're going to get that ever again. Well, he's the only legit star left in WWE. He's just not around anymore. They have not made stars. It's been a long time since you've had a John Cena. And that's the problem. He wouldn't be as highly regret. You give him credit for that. He wouldn't be in that spot if you had legit stars in the company. And you just don't. We'll talk about it. I'll save it for the. We'll save it for the podcast. We will resurrect it very soon because I'm gonna. I'm gonna make it my mission to change your mind on that. And when you look at it, you're kind of gonna go, huh? Actually, you might eh, have a, maybe you might have a valid point. Well, you've been listening to the finishing move here on Extra 106.3. Well, we hope you enjoyed us. Go take a listen. You can follow us on social media at Bearded Colwell at John Rad 450. You can also follow us at Road Dog 680 as well as at Wrestle Extra. That's right. I finally got that one right. Too. Very Look well done. Look at you. You take a week off and it's like it paid it's off. Sweet. It's like the extra rest for a starter in a and rotation. You see it what happens? I had to carry this show for so many years. I digress. We thank you guys for listening to the finishing move here on Extra 1063. We'll talk to you next week, 7 to 8 p.m. And until then, go body slam somebody and see what happens.